Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Friday, December 30, 2022. The South Sudan government is calling on regional and international partners to support efforts aimed at addressing violence in parts of the country. We call upon uh, IGAD member states, the African Union, and other stakeholders to provide the necessary support to the government on the implementation of the roadmap. And some civil society activists are criticizing the government's decision to send troops to the DRC. We still have issues in, 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 in a number of areas, including the recent one in Jonglei and uh, Greta before. They have nine issues. And the issues of Abia, and the issues of Twitch. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The South Sudan government has called for regional and international efforts to help end the violence in parts of Upper Nile State. A foreign affairs ministry official told foreign diplomats efforts are now needed to address the root causes of the violence. For VOA News, Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Deng Dao Deng, the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation, told the diplomats in Juba the government does not condone the violence, which has cost many lives and a massive displacement of people. He says while the government is trying to contain the situation in both Upper Nile State and a greater Pibor administrative area, it needs support from the regional and international bodies through humanitarian and diplomatic engagements. We assure you that the situation will soon be contained and war will not return to the country. This is very important. The outside assumption is that there is a plan of the members of revitalized agreement to fight. There is a, a plan that the government is the one sponsoring the violence at the state and, and, the, count, and the county level. I want to categorically say this is not true and it will not be true. Deng says the conflict in parts of Upper Nile State resulted from an internal dispute between the Espelemayo-Kitguang faction led by General Simon Gadwich and Aguelek forces led by General Johnson Oloni. A spiritual leader whom Deng did not identify is also part of the contributor to the conflict, he says. The conflict has drawn wide condemnation from the country's regional and international partners. Deng calls the violence in Greater Pibor administrative area criminal and he called on the Intergovernmental Authority on Development or IGAT to intervene and rally efforts to resolve the dispute between the Espelemayo factions of Kitiguang and Aguelek forces. Sudan are co-grantors of the agreement. If they can also put their weight uh, towards uh, bringing this, this uh, Johnson Oloni and Simon Gadwich for them to be able to, to join back. And they have places. Everybody have a, a room in South Sudan. If it is the issue of power, power struggle, there are rooms. Deng reiterated that the government remains committed to implementing the 2018 Revitalized Peace Agreement, saying the deal is the only way to restore lasting peace and stability in the country. We call upon uh, IGAD member states, the African Union, and other stakeholders to provide the necessary support to the government on the implementation of the roadmap. Uh, this is the only way to take the people of South Sudan to a credible, free, and fair elections that are expected to take place at the end of 2024. 
On Wednesday, the United Nations Mission in South Sudan, IGAT, the European Union, and the Troika countries of the U.S., Britain, and Norway condemned the ongoing violence and called for an urgent intervention from South Sudan's leaders. Officials say more than 200 people have been killed in both the recent violence in Pibor and the fighting in parts of Upper Nile State over the past weeks. For VONOs, I'm working Simon Wudu in Juba. Some civil society activists are criticizing the government for sending troops to the Democratic Republic of Congo while violence continues in parts of South Sudan. Activists also say the decision to send troops to the DRC did not go through parliament. Deng Deng has the details for VOA from Bor. Edmond Yakani, executive director of local group Community Empowerment for Progress Organization, or SEPO, says while it is fine to participate in the East Africa Regional Task Force, the priority for South Sudan at this time of political transition should be to build a professional army that is capable of stabilizing internal security. This deployment have not undergone parliamentary approval or parliamentary debates, and there's questions that need to be answered. Who is going to pay for their logistics? stakes for their welfare, for their salaries, and for how long will they stay in DRC in terms of um, rotational system? Is it one force that goes for all, or will they rotate the forces? And how is the rotational system going to look like? How the selection of the soldiers to participate in the rotational system as peacekeepers look like? All those are critical questions that are supposed to be answered before we could have deployed. And for it to be a priority, those questions could have got an answer, or some people could have answered, political leaders could have answered those questions, and then we see now deployment of the forces. But anyway, now forces have been deployed. Yakani says South Sudan does not have a professional standard for recruiting members of armed forces, and says it worries some of the soldiers deployed to the DRC may be the same soldiers who committed human rights violations in South Sudan when the civil war erupted in 2013. The other thing that we need to do is that also these soldiers which are being selected to be part and parcel of the force of peacekeeping from SSPDF in DRC, have they undergone human rights due diligence uh, processes? Because remember, we have a feeling that during the 2013 crisis, some soldiers were engaged in committing gross human rights violations like rape, sexual gender-based violence, or other human rights violations. Activist Bol Dengbol, chairperson of Interfit South Sudan, says the government's decision to deploy troops to the DRC shows a lack of attention to national priorities. Bol says the government should concentrate on implementing security sector reforms as is stipulated in the 2018 peace agreement so all intercommunal conflicts raging across the country are tackled before general elections in 2024. We are talking about implementing the peace agreement which calls for uh, training, uh, you know, reunification and deployment of uh, necessary unified forces and this that are already graduated that are supposed to be deployed. We still have issues in we still have issues in in you know in a number of areas, including the recent one in Jongle and uh, Greta before. The upper Nile issues and the issues of Abia and the issues of Twitch and the rest. Also, the issues of, you know, in the eastern Equatoria, there is also instability there. Gabriel Majgarang, a teacher in Jonglei State, says he is disappointed. The government seemed to prioritize regional duties over ongoing conflicts in parts of the country. Garang says the national government should begin its charity work at home.
It is not bad to send troops to DRC. It is uh, the mandate of EAC, which is East Africa Community, and South Sudan is part of EAC. But the problem is South Sudan is not stable. Uh, Kenya is stable, Uganda is stable, and even Rwanda is also stable. So they should have not decided to send troops to DRC when there is a lot of problem in the Republic of South Sudan. This the problem of insecurity. On Wednesday, President Salva Kiir addressed over 700 soldiers expected to arrive in the Democratic Republic of Congo as part of a regional peacekeeping mission. Members of South Sudan military police, military intelligence, signal corps, engineering corps, administration, logistics and infantry units underwent four months of training in Juba and are set to be lifted to the DRC soon. An exact date has not been announced. The South Sudanese force will join over 900 Kenyan troops who arrived in Goma in mid-November. Uganda also said it would send 1,000 soldiers under the East African Community Force. EAC leaders resolved to send a joint force to deal with multiple armed groups in the DRC after the country became the seventh member of the bloc in Afrold. The resurgence of the M23 rebel group in May prompted regional and international efforts to try to end decades-long insecurity in eastern Congo. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiden in Bor. Eritrean troops are reported to be withdrawing from Ethiopia's Tigray region. Ethiopian federal and Tigray officials have been stepping up efforts to enforce a truce in Tigray, which includes the withdrawal of foreign forces. Tigrayan officials and political analysts say a lasting peace is only possible if Eritrean troops leave. Mohamed Yusuf reports for VOA from Nairobi. Witnesses in the towns of Agzum and Shire in Ethiopia's Tigray region say some Eritrean forces withdrew Friday. It is unclear when the Eritrean troops will completely withdraw to their borders. The withdrawal may ease fears of the Tigray rubber group, which has accused the forces of killing civilians and blocking aid. The presence of Eritrean forces is seen as an obstacle to the enforcement of the peace agreement signed in South Africa in November between Ethiopia's federal government and the Tigray People's Liberation Front. Mulu Bayene is a Tigrayan living in Norway. This week he connected with his mother and other relatives in the Tigray region after the restoration of telecommunication services. He says Eritrean forces need to leave the region. The fact that they have begun, reportedly begun living uh, some parts of Tigray is a welcome development, obviously. And most importantly, it needs to be followed through from all other towns too, towns and, and villages of Tigray too. Vienna spoke to relatives in Adwa town Friday. He says Eritrean forces, militias and government forces are in charge of the town, where abuses against the population continue. There are many types of military people around the town. People largely do not know who has what kind of mandate because the Eritreans seem to be uh, in town and around the vicinities of the town. Federal police forces are also holding some pockets of the town. And there are other military people from uh, the Amhara region, it appears, that come and go from time to time. 
sometimes they say they arrest people. Killings are reported from time to time. Ethiopian federal forces and Eritrean forces captured Adowa in October after the Tigray rebel group suffered losses and withdrew. A week later, the warring factions met in South Africa and agreed to end hostilities, attend to the population's humanitarian needs and restore services in the region. This week, the groups agreed to form a joint monitoring team to oversee the ceasefire and follow up on the peace deal's implementation. Tigray rebel group spokesman Getachew Reda says government forces were taking positions previously occupied by their troops. We have done uh, every effort on our part to make sure that uh, all the heavy weapons uh, that we have at our disposal are there uh, for the inter- for, for the monitors to, to, to monitor. Of course, the battalion that is res- that's responsible uh, has already moved uh, into the position, and it clearly showed that uh, with a clear understanding between our two sides, there is nothing that cannot be achieved. Tigray regional leaders have expressed concerns about the presence of foreign forces and other militia groups. Ahmed Mohamed, the head of the Center for Security and Strategic Studies, says the mistrust between the warring factions will be there for some time, despite making progress in stopping the war. The only obstacle I see so far maybe is in the area of trust between the parties and between individuals. Having seen what they have gone through so far uh, uh, in the last maybe a year or so and uh, the damages that have been done so far, uh, the idea of that trust is what will be very, very paramount. But I'm sure with what um, we've seen so far, with the engagement so far, with um, the parties agreeing to conform to the agreements, that mistrust will go. Mohammed says the federal government must deliver peace as Tigray accepts being under central government leadership. The biggest loser in the whole conflict was actually the Tigray people and the Tigray leaders. And therefore they were most affected. They were badly hit. And because of that, it's just fair that the federal government comes down, cools down, remains calm and delivers to the best of their ability to bring back normalcy in the Tigray region. Therefore, in essence, the whole thing lies with the federal government. The two-year conflict has killed hundreds of thousands of people and displaced millions. The peace agreement has brought some normalcy to Tigray families that can now reconnect as the region comes out of a long stretch of isolation from the rest of the country. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, we have a closer look at the life of football legend Pele who died yesterday. Stay tuned. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... Do you offer advice to your siblings? If so, what kind of advice? Yes, I advise my siblings. I tell them to be respectful to everybody, old and young alike. Yes, I advise my siblings. I tell them not to waste money, but to be careful in the way they handle money. I also tell them to give to people who are in need. 
hard work always pays. And if you work hard, at the end you realize something that you didn't expect. So that's the single piece of advice that I will follow my sibling. I always tell them to they work hard in school. Then, of course, they should be open in case they want anything or lack anything. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Brazilian football legend Pelé has died at the age of 82 after battling cancer and cardiac problems the last year. Over the course of his legendary career, the man who led his national team to an unprecedented three World Cup titles became known as one of the sport's greatest players. VOA's Robert Rafael has more on the life of the international icon. The man who would become known simply as Pele dazzled fans on the World Cup stage for Brazil and in club games and international tours with his team, the Santos Football Club, before generating enthusiasm for the game in the United States, joining the New York Cosmos at the end of his career. He was born Edson Arantes do Nascimento on October 23, 1940. As a child, he gained acclaim for his soccer skills and signed with Santos at the age of 15. By 16, Pele was part of Brazil's national team, and in 1958, he made his World Cup debut at age 17. He is the youngest player to ever score in the Men's World Cup, ending up with six goals in the tournament in Sweden. Pele's two goals in the final match helped Brazil capture the 1958 title, and he led his team to two more World Cup titles in 1962 and 1970. With an international career that included 77 goals and 92 official matches, Pele was named FIFA's co-player of the 20th century, along with Argentina's Diego Maradona. In 1975, Pele joined the New York Cosmos of the North American Soccer League and played three seasons there. In 2015, Pele reflected on his life at the top of the game. I think the secret to success is to respect people, to be prepared always, and then never, never think you are the best. Thursday, France star Kylian Mbappe said that Pele's legacy will never be forgotten. And Pele's daughter, Kelly Nascimento, remembered her father, writing on Instagram in Portuguese, quote, Everything we are is because of you. We love you infinitely. Rest in peace. Robert Raffel, VOA News, Washington. We heard from several of you this week on issues we cover in this broadcast. But first, we have these recorded messages. I'm Gadkwasma Nong Shonghujia from Juba, VOC. Hello, Billy News Desk. Happy Prosperity New Year 2023 to 2024. Let this year 2023 be a year of peace and forgiveness. If I did something wrong at this year 2022, I'm sorry. If I did something wrong at this year 2022, I say I'm sorry and to those who wrong me, I already forgive you and my whole heart and soul already forgive you. I 
hatch our brother and sister in uniform to stop turning gun to themselves across all Sudan. I also want peace sanctuary to implement RRSS in a later period and some while standing. Hello, BOA. This is Maboral and Remu in Rungeg State. As the world commemorates the annual birth of Christ, which is Christmas this Sunday, 25th of December 2022, I wish all the Christians across the globe Merry Christmas and Happy New and Prosper Year 2023. Let us celebrate this important day in peace and respect. Thank you very much. Amen. I'm James Way Majok from Ventu Town, South Sudan, High in Ville and John Tanza. This is not first time for Murle to attack Greater Lawnmer and Denkabo and Eastern Equatorial State and Central Equatorial State. That the most people who are always abducting children, looting cows, laying ambush on all roads that connect Greater Junglei from Greater Law to Greater Junglei to Greater Equatoria to Greater Central Equatoria. And while our government is keeping quiet for a long time without making any quick intervention to address the root cause of all this communal violence. Thanks. This is Peter Gochanyang Mojangdun in Block 3, Bor Town. As the year is ending, I wish all the happy new year to all the fans, the listeners, the contributors of BOA, which is headed by John Tanza, Nabil Biagio, Wakis Simon Odu, Ding Magot, Ding Gai Ding, Mogi Edwin Kinzika of Cameroon, and my all listeners of BOA, the like of Maburala Remo, Mading Malwala Luong of Malakal, and all those who are contributing to BOA. Thank you. Hello, John and Nabil. My name is Martin, Martin Minier. I just want to thanks and congratulate the leadership of South Sudan and the Army for contributing forces to establish peace and stability in East Africa region. It is our mandate as a country, as a member country to East Africa to also participate, although we have challenges, but still it will be used as a starting point for us to prove we can do something regionally and internationally, as we always do during SPLA days, as our president alluded to when he was passing out yesterday forces. So I wish all the forces and their commanders to stand firm, be disciplined, and always abide by international law and rule of engagement. It is upon a commander that take over to lead the contingent force, and it is upon the leadership of the country to always give them all the necessary support for them to succeed. Thanks and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Mawa from Uganda writes, Hi VOA, let South Sudan leaders leave their political differences behind and put the country first. The citizens are suffering in refugee settlements. Someone who did not leave their name or location says, Happy New Year to all South Sudanese focused listeners. But it's very sad news for someone leaving his home burning and instead rushing to put out the fire in the neighbor's house. I am very disappointed in the South Sudan government.
Saber Aizakhamis in Yambio of Western Equatorial State says, Hello Nabil, it's very hard for someone to express his desire for peace in a country which is highly militarized like South Sudan. The two states of Jongule and Pibor should be reunited and be one state. Otherwise, the community of the two states will finish themselves. May the souls of the lives lost rest in eternal peace. Joel Philip Kwan in Boar Town of Jongule State says, Hello VOA, I urge the government of South Sudan to be more vigilant to protect civilians in the whole country, especially in Jongule State, like the white army youths from Nuer against Morley youth in Pibor administrative area. Also, as it happened earlier this month in Upper Nile State between Nuer white army youths from neighboring Jongule and Shuluk militias, which led to the deaths of many civilians and displacement. Thanks. Lopia Nelson from the Palorina Refugee Settlement says, Dear VOA, I am concerned about the multiple armaments in the hands of civilians. They are causing a serious security threat, like the case in Gumruk. The international community should not turn a blind eye to South Sudan. They should pressure Artigono to follow the roadmap to implement the peace agreement in letter and spirit. Samuel Raymond in Yei says, Hi, John Tanzan, Nabil Biagio. The $3 billion grant, which was given by the World Food Program to cater to food victims, was a good idea. But we should not remain living on handouts. They should teach our local farmers to produce food in tons, both for consumption and economic activity, to enable us to give to those who are in need around the world. Ayen Yang Dao in Block 3, Boar Town says, With the ongoing communal fighting in Jongule and Greater Bibor administrative area, we need massive disarmament of the armed civilians to save fleeing villagers and the dying population. Daniel Dundagbai from Ragmajog in Lakestead says, The Wednesday graduation of the South Sudan Peacekeeping Force is a clear indication that South Sudan is meeting the international standard in terms of providing safety and security. This is a great milestone to reach as a nation. Congratulations to the team who worked tirelessly to train and graduate first South Sudan Peacekeeping Force. Thomas Kuntoj in Old Fangak Payam, Jongule State writes, I object to the contribution of 720 soldiers to the Congo mission to protect innocent civilians over there. How come the government of South Sudan sees the suffering of others other than its own citizens? If fire is catching your home together with neighbors, which home do you like to extinguish first? If I were you, I would extinguish the burning home, which is South Sudan first. Manasseh Jamal Kalaman in the Rhino Refugee Settlement says, Hi VOA, thanks for the national updates about my nation South Sudan. How I wish where necessary sensible comments being presented by the people are being taken under consideration by the government. Tong Chuni Yong Kwai from Juba, South Sudan says, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year in advance to all South Sudanese in the country and outside the country. And finally, Mal Adawmal in Boar Town of Jongule State says, Hello, VOA management. My sincere appreciation goes to the entire VOA fraternity all over, especially you guys in the studio for your timeless, credible, and precise service delivery to us, the common citizens. Your accurate information is our only hope. Long live VOA and Happy New Year. Thanks. The opinions expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or of this program. Thanks for all your comments. Keep them coming. 
Keep your voice and text messages brief and we shall sample some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that's all we prepared for you this Friday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Celebrate by Emmanuel Kembe. Listening to Emmanuel Kembe and the song Celebrate. I am your host, Nabil Biagio, in Washington. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones.